Hi there, and thanks for joining a new episode of the Bees and Honey podcast. Today we have Robert Adanto speaking with us about his filmmaking. He's made several films about art and about women in art in particular. Uh, he's written about the contemporary art world of China. He's written about Iranian artists inside and outside of Iran. And he's done two other really amazing films about art, which he will tell you about. One of them, uh, a feminist film about feminist artists called The F Word, and uh, his most recent film, Born Just Now. I hope you enjoy this. Hi. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Nicolette. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to hear from you this morning. All is well? Yes, all is well, especially now. You know, I, there are a few things I really uh, enjoy doing in life. This is yeah, one of them. Me too. Me too. I'm glad. <laughs> you... Oh, my God. It's been crazy, huh? The five months. It has been crazy. And I mean, I'm amazed you've been able to do so much work in the space of this, uh, this whole strange happening that we're seeing around us everything strange well i'm lucky that I, the film was done you know i didn't have to keep shooting and it was edited so that was to my advantage it was just about using the computer to get the word out to some festivals and right so tell us about your current film born just now it seems to have had a lot of um good reception from the community it's won several Best Documentary Awards, finalists for others. Tell us about it, uh, what you've yeah. received so far. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because initially, you know, I finished the film in May of 2018. And uh, Anthony Zyker was the executive producer. And he's the guy that created the whole CSI, you know, a trio of t television shows and he's a writer producer and he's with CAA and he was able to get us um, a meeting with the person that handles documentary for CAA. And um, I met with her and she really liked the film and want, and we kind of set up a bunch of the festivals that she thought we should first apply to some of the bigger mm -hmm. ones, whether it was Sundance or Berlin uh, Toronto, and we didn't get in. And I thought we had a good shot at Sundance because this film was selected midway through to participate in the uh, Sundance Institute documentary programs, what they call a rough cut lab. And uh, mm -hmm. I sent like 40 minutes of the film. They liked it. I received some great feedback and it was a perfect time to kind of see what what needed to be uh what i needed to add in the film what what other layers and uh that's when anthony came on board actually he heard about what i had shown and i was able to go back to belgrade for 35 years now wow yeah and so that allowed me to get really a whole nother chunk of the story which i'll get into in a second wanted to know what the tagline would be i'd say it's a fearless female artist utilizes durational performance to confront release and liberate the trauma that has come with the violence that has ended an eight-year marriage 
Um, but what's interesting is that chunk, that focus that the film takes wasn't part of the original story. Um, and I'll go back and like how I got to know Marta and how this thing evolved. Mm -hmm. I was finishing a previous film, which is the F word. Yes. And it's a film about radical feminist, fourth wave feminist performance in Bushwick. And I was interviewing, doing some follow-up interviews with Dr. Kathy Batista, mm -hmm. who heads the uh, contemporary art program over at Sotheby's. And she's an expert on feminist performance. She's got a new book called uh, New York, New Wave. Actually, Marta's in that book. Mm -hmm. but this was back in, I think, 20, 2015. Yeah, 2015. And um, she shared this copy of a book. She was saying, you know, this artist should be in your film. And I was nearly complete. And I took the book for a couple of days while I was in New York. And I started reading about it. And I was like, wow, who? what an amazing... I mean, visually stunning work. It was a lot of her earlier stuff. So a lot of it's in Born Just Now. Mm -hmm. But what I found so interesting was just her background. And I knew she didn't belong in the F word, which focused on American women, largely those that were in Bushwick. Mm -hmm. She had grown up in the Balkans, grew up in Belgrade. She's Serbian. Her grandfather was a Muslim. Her grandmother was a Jew who escaped during the Holocaust. She had this whole other part of her life and her, her legacy that was very different from any of the women in the United States. She also um, left Belgrade in the 90s when the Civil War was taking place in former Yugoslavia. And so I knew, though, that I wanted to make a film. And unlike my previous films that had looked at groups of artists, I was going to just do a film about this specific woman and her work. Wow. And yeah, so I started and the first time I went to Belgrade was in February of 2016. I was fortunate in that um, after I, I shot her in Belgrade for a couple of weeks, shot her in New York when she was there. I also went back to Belgrade. I think it was in May of 2016, shot some more, but Marta hadn't divulged about what was happening. I knew she was separated from her husband, but I didn't know a lot of the specifics. That mm -hmm. wasn't really spoken about. I was doing interviews with her, but it was largely about the work, her background, some things about her grandparents and mm -hmm. her life in Belgrade. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I got back to Miami and we were Skyping early one morning and I could tell she was upset. And she said, you know, I need to we've become good friends and I need to tell you something. And that's when she mentioned that she felt threatened, you know, her, her ex, well, they were mm -hmm. separated, but her husband was threatening her over the apartment, over some other property, over some artworks. Cause he was actually her, uh, her gallerist. Yes. So there was a lot of things happening and I had just participated in the Sundance Institute's documentary lab in Miami, mm -hmm. meaning I got to show 40 minutes and I qualified. I was like one of three projects, got some great feedback from the people from Sundance. And then 
out of that, Anthony Zyker, the creator of CSI, came on board. He saw mm -hmm. the 40 minutes. I showed it to him, and he said, so what do you need? I said, I need to get back to Belgrade immediately because there's a whole other level layer of this story that I need to So he financed, and I went back for another 35 days to get this part where Marta was basically telling me everything that had happened. And um, that became a whole nother layer of the film. And I think you mentioned that in your question. Yeah. There's, mul there's multiple layers. There's a, a lot of interesting contradictions because for example, the first performance she does, Motherhood, right? Yes. That was in February of 2016. Mm -hmm. That's where she broke an egg that were they were, you know, there were 740 eggs approximately hanging from the gallery. Each one represented a time that she ovulated as an adult and chose not to have kids. Yes. And that was what that performance was about. But it's, it came from the fact that, you know, and what started the tension in her relationship was that her husband wanted her to have a kid. And she had always said, my art is my children. I don't plan to be a mother in any way. So that created a lot of tension. And ultimately, it led to the divorce and probably led to that violence that ended the marriage. Um, so yes. I, I ended up, you know, shooting her again. We went to Paris for one thing. We shot in Houston. And I finished the film in May of 2018. And uh, through Zyker, met somebody at CAA who wanted to rep the film. And she set us up with festivals to attend. They were all the largest ones. They were Sundance. They were Berlin, Toronto. And... I didn't get into any of them. The film didn't make it. The feedback we got is like Marta's known in the art world, but she's not a big name. She's not like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which had a which you've seen the RBG documentary. There were there were several famous women documentaries. Jane Goodall, mm -hmm. you know, Marta's not on that level mm -hmm. in terms of notoriety. But I did think it was the what I had was a unique story. Obviously, Marta's a very unique individual, both in her persona and her artwork. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I did get into the right festivals. And so I did, I've won three festivals and I've been a finalist in two others. Yeah. Uh, the first one that we won at, and actually, the festival loved her so much, they gave her another award on top of that. And that was in Buenos Aires, Argentina at what's called Arte Nonstop Film Festival. It's a film festival devoted to art, to dance, to mm -hmm. visual arts, and all the films are somewhat associated with that. Yes. And then uh, we won here in Brooklyn at the Art of Brooklyn Film Festival. We received the Outstanding Feature Documentary. And like a few days later, I won International Documentary Feature Film Award in a festival in uh, Ecuador. Mm -hmm. And that was all just in June. So then I was like, well, what's July going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up getting to the semifinals and then were named a finalist in Moscow at Interdoc, which is the International Documentary Film Festival. Mm -hmm. And then I was the runner-up, again, a finalist at Red International 
Film Festival, which is in Norway, in Ina, Norway. And it, it's another festival that focuses on art, art and film and films about art. So, and I've got, you know, it's still out there. It's screening in a bunch of cities in Poland right now. Mm -hmm. That's going to go on through June. It's been going on. It, this, it's a huge, it's the largest outdoor film festival in, uh, in Europe during the summer. Uh -huh. And from there, we're going to go to Hungary, Romania. And those are actually festivals. They're not the digital versions. Right. So, yeah. So there, some countries took care of their COVID situation and they're having full-fledged yes, events. Yes. So I, I, I plan to go to the one in Budapest, which is in October. Mm -hmm. uh, I've also gotten into some festivals here, two in L.A. and one at uh, Twin Cities in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And those will be streaming. So I, I, will, I haven't gotten the dates that my film will be streaming, but there's, several, there's a couple in October and there's another one in November. And uh, well, definitely uh, keep me in the loop when those uh, definitely uh, uh, when they're up. I will. I would, will. Would they consider this a sleeper in the industry? In my estimation, I think that means that people didn't expect it to do as well as it's doing. So it's it's a surprise. Uh, I don't know if it's a sleeper. It's kind of, it's definitely a niche film, mm -hmm. and within a certain context, it's interesting because. All of my films have been like that, but most of them, like whether it's The Rising Tide or Pearls on the Ocean Floor, mm -hmm. I screen them largely at, in museums right. and at universities. I, I did do some festival stuff with those films, and actually Pearls on the Ocean Floor won a couple of awards. Not best doc, but it got recognized at two different kind of semi-large festivals. Mm -hmm. um, this film, though, has kind of crossed over into the film festival circuit, which I'm very happy. It's a whole nother step. And some of that I attribute to the fact that we got into the Sundance lab, which gave the film a little more credibility. Right. Um, and Zyker being part of the film, that also took it to a whole nother level. In fact, I mean, like this was the first doc that I had everything from drones and multiple camera people and the whole deal. And I, I got to shoot as much as I needed to. Good. But, you know, it's always been like budget has always not affected the film. Cause I've always felt like I make interesting thought provoking films, mm -hmm. but just the level of quality, the cinematography. I worked with an amazing cinematographer from Belgrade and another one that I've shot the F word with, uh, in New York, so. Yes, so um, the F word, like you said, is about the feminist artists, mostly in the Bushwick scene. Then Pearls on the Ocean Floor was mostly about female uh, Iranian artists inside and outside of Iran, and Rising Tide about Chinese contemporary art. I don't know if you had a, a, a slant on women there, because I didn't see that film, but why, why the subject of art and women in art? I mean, how come you ended up uh, as this sort of uh, subject matter for your films well and it's on one level i think it's it's kind of by chance in that i was at the hong kong art fair screening the rising tide my first film which as you said looked at contemporary chinese art mm -hmm. and i was floating around before 
my screening wasn't going to happen for a couple of days. So I was looking at all the artwork. This was before it became Art Basel at, in Hong Kong. This was just the Hong Kong Art Fair. Uh. And I came across, this was in 2009. I just walked by one of these booths and I was like, wow. And I, I, I teach and I had been teaching the book Persepolis, been teaching about the Iranian revolution. But mm -hmm. I saw the work of, and I've, I've known Shirin Nishat's work, but there mm -hmm. were all these other artists, Sara Rabar, Gohar Dashti, Paris mm -hmm. Kodohar. Mm -hmm. And I would see these works and I'm like, I got to make a film about Iranian women artists. Like I just, <laughs> it, and so, you know, I, I raised some money and mm -hmm. I started it in New York at the Chelsea Museum, had this amazing, one of the first, uh, it was called Iran Inside and Out, and it had 50 <laughs> artists, 25 from Iran and 25 that were in one of the diasporas. And, yes. Um, that, it, it opened on the day Michael Jackson died. Yes. It also opened five days after the botched political, the presidential election in Iran, which gave yeah. birth to the Green Movement. So people... Iran was the topic, like, and these women, yeah. I, made, I made the film in a year, mm -hmm. and all these women were so open and wanting to speak about what the experience was like to be a woman in Iran, to be a woman living away from this idea of home, if they yeah. were one of those artists from the diaspora. And I just, it, I just had such an incredible time speaking with them and I found them to be so open and passionate. Like people were saying like, my art is history. It's just another language of history. Like things like that, that really resonated with me that often when I've spoken to male artists, mm -hmm. it's a there's more um, theory or explanation for the work as if they're outside of themselves. Absolutely. And, and to me, and that's a generalization. I'm not saying all male artists are like that or that all women artists are like so into mm -hmm, their bodies mm -hmm. and all of that. But I just mm -hmm. felt like as a cinematographer, as a filmmaker, I've always been taught, I did the MFA acting program at NYU that like the great, what's always so interesting and compelling on screen is to see somebody work through something, to think about it, to consider and to be in that moment. And I was able to get that from these Iranian women that I just said, you know what, that's fertile ground, the female space of those that are art makers. And I love contemporary art. So I just kind of stuck with it. I did make a film that wasn't mentioned about artists from uh, New Orleans who lived through Hurricane Katrina and that's called City of Memory. And that was, I have half, half the artists are women and half the artists are men. What I've always been interested in is how like radical societal change, catastrophic change affects artists and how they use art to create m meaning or to transcend some pain that has happened. Right. So that's, that's kind of like the motif. Of I all the works. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, Iran Inside Out at the Chelsea Art Museum and Till and Sam, I don't know if you know the oh, two yeah. curators. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I know them very well as well because I was at the Chelsea Art Museum at the time of that oh, exhibition. Oh, <laughs> man. Do you remember how packed that was? It, you know, it's so funny that you were there and I didn't recognize the name uh, to the person, even to the picture, but we'll discuss that after. I think it's a funny coincidence, nonetheless, how small I'll the circles to, are. Yeah, I have to send you a copy. I interviewed, I interviewed Sam like the day before or the day after the opening. Yeah, but I, but I ended up going with literally all Iranian women, even the experts, mm -hmm. even the you know in terms of talking heads. So I just thought like I don't need a man. I don't need a man to explain <laughs> what these women are and who they are. So yes, yes, it's just it's sixteen Iranian female artists and uh, two or three experts. Well, you mentioned that you were a teacher as well. You know, Sam was a teacher too. Uh, right. And he's still, you know, he writes a lot still. Oh, yeah. So how, how did your teaching feed into this whole filmmaking thing? Like, what do you teach? Uh, well, at the time when I started, I was teaching an integrated lit and history about mm -hmm. world cultures. And mm -hmm. actually, I ended up getting money from the school where I was in Santa Monica to go mm -hmm. to China. Uh, mm -hmm. they, there's a very progressive private school and they were basically saying, there's a grant, come up with a thing that you're gonna do with this money that takes you outside your comfort zone, step outside the box kind of thing. And I said, I wanted to go make a documentary about China's transformation and emergence. Yes. And I wrote out a whole thing and I, I got money from the school, but then I also got money from Jan de Bont, the filmmaker who liked what I put together, I did some initial interviews with think tank people in New York and in DC mm -hmm. and assembled something. And I was actually teaching his son in the class and he went home and he told his dad, I didn't even know who Jan de Bont was at the time, but I got this <laughs> call and then I found out, wow, this is the guy that did Speed with Keanu Reeves. This is the guy that did Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Oh, wow. All, all the, yeah, all these big films. So we had a chat and it ended up going on for like an hour and a half because he had started in documentary in Japan, was always fascinated with China and the East. And mm -hmm. I really knew the topic and I was able to say, this is what I want to do. And he ended up financing the entire China trip. So that, wow. yeah. And you were in the zone, as they say. Yeah, it was the zone, and that began the whole career, basically. Um, yes. So, but, but in terms of teaching that subject, which mm -hmm. was an integration, it's exactly what the films are like. I show historical, cultural context and show how the art is a response or how it's a, a, it was generated by these circumstances. So yes. I'm, uh, that's just how I form the films, and I... I don't try to make a film that's like didactic or has all the answers. I want people, I guess, first and foremost, to see the work, to see how cool it is, engage with it, and want to know more about it themselves. I think it's, it's I just want to, I want to present the work, mm -hmm. some background, but then leave it to the audience to make the meanings that they do. And hopefully there's multiple interpretations, which, I feel tends to happen when I do screenings and we're at a museum or a university, a lot mm -hmm. of great conversations follow. So yeah, that's, so, that's what I love doing. I, I totally understand why. 
So how do you know when you're done with the project? How do you know, like, you have these plans for the fall with uh, Born Just Now. How do you know when you're done and you're going to start the next one? Do you have the idea for the next one already? Or how does it work uh, for you? You know, it, it, it depends on... And this is a strange time in and of itself. I actually... I shot a bunch of interviews. I was living in New York for six months up until December. And there's a gentleman that just graduated from SVA and I saw a performance that he did uh, in Chinatown and I was able to shoot it and I shot it a second time and I did some interviews with him. I, I don't think it's a feature, but I definitely think he, he's interesting and a short I want to make about that. Mm -hmm. But I'm just working on that to show some people so that I could go work with him again at some point when it's safe. But I have yes. been working with on a animated nonfiction for the last couple of years and working with a, a German producer um, on that and writing the script based on these firsthand accounts of something that took place in China. Uh, but you know, when I know something's done, I, I still, as much as there's kind of an open-ended discussion within the film, I still want to have that kind of classical structure and have at least emotionally some resolution. And that's why, like, for Born Just Now, like, I feel like she goes through all this stuff, things are revealed, and through the performances, they kind of take you took her and took, I hope, take the audience to somewhere where there's resolution. And I have that scene where she's on the hammock and saying, you know, the last year and a half has been pretty nuts kind of thing. Yes. And then I just felt like I had to put that performance, the um, tight binding. Mm -hmm. For me, like, it's the ultimate, I'm going to be so free. I'm so okay with myself that I'm going to let another artist use me as the putty yes. that they, you know, and that's, that to me is like the ultimate freedom, like showing that surrender. Yes. And she's back and she's back. She's yes. not, you know, she's not afraid of anything. Yes. And then the complete liberation from the past, literally burning the wedding dress. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. I, I love that the wedding dress wasn't this elaborate thing, <laughs> this no. really flimsy little piece. <laughs> so, you know, it, it takes on a, much more symbolism in our minds than it actually is, uh, this uh, little it, fabric. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. and it says something about her and what their marriage was. Like, they weren't, yeah, they got married, but they didn't do it the uh, traditional way that we see on soap operas. Yes, yes, yes. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add before we uh, say goodbye? No, I'd love to at some point add some of the dates. I don't have to verbally do that, but I can send you links once I know. I'd love people to see the film. It's going to be streaming again. And, yes. Uh, yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely send me the dates and I'll put it in the description of this episode. And I will definitely share this episode with a bunch of people who I think should know about your work. Thank you. Okay, well, enjoy the day. You too.
Take Stay care. Safe. Yeah, yes, take I'll talk to you soon. Good talking to you. Take bye, care. Bye, Robert. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you'd like to see Robert's film, you can attend either the Glendale International Film Festival, September 25th to October 1st. It's glendaleinternationalfilmfestival.com or the Twin Cities Film Festival from October 22nd to the 31st, twincitiesfilmfest.org or ARPA International Film Festival, which will run November 12th to 22nd, 2020. And the, you can Google all of this, but it's arpafilmfestival.com. I hope you get to see this wonderful film. I certainly enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Robert Adanto, and I hope you get a chance to see his film, Born Just Now, or any of his wonderful films soon. Take care and see you soon on another episode of the Bees and Honey podcast.